Do you ever feel like you're always running behind in your meetings? Or maybe you're always late to the coffee gatherings? Do you feel like you never get caught up on bills? Or you maybe can never get ahead financially? Do you feel weary or exhausted frequently? Do you feel like you don't sense God's leading in your life as much as you used to? There's an artistic design principle that I think may be helpful beyond just artistic design. This principle is about white space, which is the space surrounding the various elements in a graphic, whether that's the picture, text, uh, images, shapes, or color. And while white space can be any color, the idea is that it helps give space or margin for elements to be separated or grouped together, to be prioritized, and to help convey a specific meaning. That life is better with some white space, some space in general, or just some margin. When we have margin in our life, we can see which things should be separated or grouped together, what should be prioritized, and we can better understand the messages we get from other people. Uh, margin when it comes to paper is sort of the space between your current writing and the edge of the paper, right? Uh, margin when it comes to our lives is the space between our current pace and our limit. And this can be financially, relationally, and time-wise with your schedule. So the two components of that definition of margin are pace and limit. Our pace is how fast we're moving, how much we're cramming into our schedules, how much we are spending. And then the limit for everyone, really everyone has a limit. You may don't think you don't have a limit, but we all have limits. We all have limits with our finances, relationships, and obviously our time. Uh, some of us have a lot more margin or sort of space between the pace at which we live life and our limits, while others of us live our lives with our pace right up to our limits. Because there comes a point when you can sort of just redline your life, financially, relationally, and with your schedule, that you just can't cram any more in. And while you may have more capacity than me, all of us have a limit. Because at some point you quit enjoying life, uh, likely because you fell into one of these traps from having no margin. That in your desire to get the most out of life, you lose control of your life. In your desire to make the most progress, you trade in your peace for that progress. In your desire to get the most money out of this life, you pursue a standard of living while giving up a quality of living. And in your desire to get the most out of life, you forget that people are the most important thing. Without margin in our lives, we can all fall into these traps. And we're talking about margin because this summer, we are taking some time to focus on soul care. Our souls are the sort of the center, the core of who we are as people, which means caring for our souls is incredibly important to being healthy. Not only that, but our souls also include our minds and our bodies. And so caring for our souls is incredibly important to being healthy in those areas as well. Uh, whether it's been the circumstances of these past few years or something not directly related to the pandemic or maybe something completely else, uh, many of us might answer the question, how is my soul, with some weariness, some exhaustion, some grief, and being troubled. In the last two weeks, we've sort of taken this discussion to our technology use and really beyond that, looking at a different epidemic, not named COVID, but an epidemic that we are now experiencing in our souls, which is loneliness. And that just like the aqueducts, one of the most incredible technological advances from the Roman Empire, just like those aqueducts would bring water wherever it was needed, that same technological advance was also leading, was using lead pipes, which were poisoning the people they were benefiting. And this is a magnificent leap in technology that gives us helpful things. But our use of it can also be slowly poisoning our souls at the same time. With our use of technology, but even without our use of technology, we naturally drift away from each other and drift toward isolation and loneliness. 
our use of technology seems to sort of just highlight that natural drift. And this is one of the ways that soul care can be different than self-care, in that self-care can also lead us toward isolation and loneliness, because at its heart, self-care is self-preservation. God has a different direction for us because soul care moves us toward community, not toward loneliness. Uh, continuing that theme last week, we said that if we aren't intentional about our decisions, particularly around our technology use, our use of technology can lead us to drift away from health, away from community, and toward anxiety. That if we're living, that we actually are living in a culture that is basically sort of adopting anxiety as a part of our identity. And our unhealthy use of technology has been proven to increase our anxiety levels. That if you feel anxiety, depression, or really any mental health issue, I need you to remember a couple of things. Uh, one is that you are not alone, and two, you are not unspiritual. And then three, you live in a culture that overconsumes. So how do we live in a world that adopts anxiety as part of its identity and considers being anxious normal? Well, we start by remembering that your Heavenly Father, who loves you and wants what's best for you, he wants, to bring, he wants you to bring any burden to Him, including your anxiety, including your depression, or your mental health issues. Because caring for our souls means we can bring our anxiety to God. And if you want to watch any of these messages from this series, head over to our YouTube channel. So the next important aspect of caring for our souls that we're going to talk about today involves margin. Because if margin is the space between our current pace and our limit, then in our culture, we all need to consider how much space do we have between our pace and our limit? How much space do you have between your pace and your limit? Or are they pretty much the same? Because without margin, we fall into traps that hurt us mentally, emotionally, financially, spiritually, and relationally. When there's no margin, our stress level goes up, right? Like sitting in traffic when you didn't leave any margin for traffic. Uh, you watch the estimated time, uh, arrival time on your GPS, and it goes from you know right on time to, to five minutes past, and then to 10 minutes past the time that you were supposed to arrive. And as you watch time run out, your stress is increasing. When there's no margin, our focus sort of narrows. Uh, we might be able to see the things that are, one or two things that are right in front of us, but we lose sight of the bigger picture. Now, focus obviously isn't bad, but if you live your entire life or entire seasons of your life focusing on those few things, you will definitely miss out on other things, which leads us to when there is no margin, our relationships suffer. We never see each other. Mom, you're always on your phone. Dad, you're never home. And lastly, when there's no margin, our souls suffer. The core of who we are suffers, which means we suffer mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually as well. Uh, thankfully, God gives us the way forward. And here's the cool thing. If you aren't a Christian or you aren't so sure about Jesus or you're just kind of figuring out what you believe or just checking out church again, God actually speaks into this issue of not leaving enough margin. He speaks into it several times through the Bible. But if you don't, if you're not a Jesus follower yet, you don't have to be one. You can, this will still help you if you do it. Now, you might be surprised to learn that a lack of margin isn't a new issue for humans. In fact, in some ways, this was even more of an issue for previous generations who didn't have all that we have in terms of resources, food, wealth, housing, and security. This started all the way back when the Israelites were released from Egypt. That God was making them into a nation, but they didn't know how to do that since they were coming from being slaves for many generations. Now, while their motivation would have been quite different than ours, their mindset wasn't so different than some of us today. They only knew slavery, working all the time when they weren't sleeping. So, when God delivers them from being slaves, He needs to give them rules to live by because they haven't done this before. The only rules they know are slave rules, and God gives them laws, which some of us know the top ten. God gave these rules because He was establishing a new nation. 
and he had to change their values to help them start. And one of the big values was building or creating margin into their society and a rhythm of life. Uh, one of the top values that many of us know is called the Sabbath, which is the idea of taking an entire day off, which also would have been completely foreign to these people. In fact, it was actually kind of dangerous. This is before refrigeration, remember, that if you don't work, you may not eat. And God says this to the new nation who only understands working all the time because that was the culture they lived in. God says, one of my top 10 rules for you is that you should take a day off. Like, how can you not love a God that tells you to take a day off, right? But this also must have been shocking because how can anyone take a day off and survive? But do you know why God did this? Because God understands how he created us, that we need rest. But bigger than that, God was establishing a trust relationship with the people, that if they will do what he says, he will be working on their behalf. Now, well, God, but what if it doesn't get done? Trust me. God, but what if we didn't finish? Trust me. God, but what if we didn't get all the crops in? Trust me. Creating margin by taking a day of Sabbath off was an expression of trusting God. Uh, another way that God built margin in for this new nation of Israel was through the tithe. The nation of Israel didn't have banks, as many of us think of banks, or they were dealing with animals more than money. I mean, either way, they could actually see the income they made, either as money stored in jars or boxes, or the animals they acquired. Uh, this included the money or the animals that they were going to give to the temple. They could visually see that they couldn't live on all that they were making because when they earned income, they were to start by giving away 10% of that income to God through the temple. They could see that the money that they had should not all be spent, and so that built into their culture a sense of financial margin. Just because $100 comes in doesn't mean I can spend all $100. In fact, because of the tithe, I can't spend more than 90% of my income. Creating margin by giving away 10% was a reminder not to spend all your income, which might be one of the biggest indicators that Americans need to create margin in their lives. Uh, lastly, God instituted the law of gleaning. Remember, this is a sort of a new culture that God is helping to establish, and this is sort of a hand-to-mouth culture. They couldn't store anything, that everyone needs everything because they are so incredibly poor by today's standards. But here's what God leads this new nation to do in Leviticus chapter 19. When you harvest the crops of your land, do not harvest the grain along the edges of the field, and do not pick up what the harvesters drop. It is the same with your grape crop. Do not strip every bunch, last bunch of grapes from the vine and do not pick up the grapes that fall to the ground. Leave them for the poor and the foreigners living among you. I am the Lord your God. And in De Deuteronomy 24, when you are harvesting your crops and forget to bring in a bundle of grain from your field, don't go back to get it. Leave it for the foreigners, orphans, and widows. Then the Lord your God will bless you in all you do that God was creating margin for his people by telling them, if you miss some, don't go back and get it. And you have to leave the fruit on the edges of your field. That's mine. That I want you to leave some behind so you will learn to trust me. Basically, God was saying, I want you to trust me. I don't want you to take everything to the limit. That the space in between what I ask you to do and what is your capacity, in that space, I want you to think, yeah, but God. In that space between how much I think God wants me to work and how many hours are actually in the day, yeah, but God can help me to have a relationship with my family, my kids, my neighbors. In that space between how much money I think God wants me to make and how much money I know I could make, 
yeah, but God can use my skills and talents to help other people as well. In that space between how much I think God wants me to be on screens and how much I would like to be on screens, yeah, but God can help me to see people and opportunities that I would never see with my face buried in a screen all the time. That God was helping this group of people that creating margin by, by not taking everything that they could was a way to see God work through them. Because if it's about what we do, then we should make all the money we can and go back and pick up all that we forgot to do. But that's, it's not just about us, right? It's about trusting God with the gap. I want to spend the rest of our time together today focusing on our time and our schedules. Because your inclination and my inclination is to pack everything into our calendar and schedule without taking anything out. We pack in so much that we either don't enjoy anything that we do or we can't see God working around us. And that can even or maybe especially be true of packing too many good things or maybe even ministry things into our schedules. Uh, here's how you know if you do this. And if you can regularly say these things like, I might be 15 minutes late. I might have to leave a few minutes early. I'll be at your recital, but I might miss the first 10 people performing. Uh, exactly when will you perform? Like what inning will you get into the game? I will be at the event, but I'll stand in the back so that I can leave as soon as you're done to get on to the next thing. Or maybe it isn't what you say, but what you actually do. You're always driving too fast. You eat in the car all the time. It's just go, go, go. Well, how do I know this? Well, I actually have access to your phone's camera and microphone. Or I do some of the same things. And so we're going to look at one idea and one application that could quite literally change your life. And I say that because if it could change how you use your time, your life is your time. And as your schedule goes, so goes your life. So this piece of wisdom that we'll read today is from a guy named Moses. Uh, we're going to start reading in Psalm 90. You can follow along in the Bible app. If you don't have the Bible app, head to bible.com app. Once you're in the app, head to the More menu option in the bottom right corner. Select events and you can find our church. We'll also have all the notes and verses on the screen as well. Psalm 90, beginning in verse 1. It's a prayer of Moses, the man of God. Lord, through all the generations, you have been our home. That throughout history... We have lived within the context of you, even when we weren't sure you were there. Now, we typically only think of our lives as the context for our lives. But Moses says the context for our lives is way bigger than that. The context for our lives is God, and we are just a hiccup in time. But even if you don't believe this is true regarding God, you do believe you have lived within the context of something or someone. Verse 2, before the mountains were born, before you gave birth to the earth and the world, from beginning to end, you are God. That God, your arrow sort of goes in both directions. That somewhere in between there is us, is me, Moses would say, and the nation of Israel. Verse 3, you turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. Now this might be a little offensive to our modern thinking, but this probably wasn't offensive to the way that these ancient people thought. That this was Moses' way of saying, God controls the beginnings and the ends. God has input into the beginning and the ends of our days on earth, and we sort of kind of struggle with this, right? The interesting thing is that even if you don't believe this, most of us believe that God has something to do with the length of our lives, and I can prove it to you. Answer this question. If you found out tomorrow that you had a terminal disease, would you pray? If you found out someone close to you had a terminal disease, would you pray? That regardless of if you've prayed recently, you might even sort of just lift up your eyes to God and just say, oh my God, right? There's something in you and there's something in me that believes that God has something to do with the number of the days of our lives. 
Now the next verse is a sort of a highly contested verse that can be used to discuss the age of our planet and our universe. Now, we're not going to go there today, so stay focused on the main point that Moses is trying to make, which is not necessarily about the age of our planet or our universe. Verse 4, For you a thousand years are as passing as a passing day, as brief as a few night hours. It's as if Moses is saying to God, God, you know how I keep saying to you that the years are flying by? Well, it must be even more so for you. God, as I get older, the years go by so quickly. And you're everlasting to everlasting. And if you're everlasting to everlasting, how long does my life look to you? Because in your view, how does my life look? Which is such a big deal to me. But how does it look to you in your eyes when a thousand years are like three hours? Verse 5, you sweep people away like dreams that disappear. They are like grass that springs up in the morning. In the morning it blooms and flourishes, but by evening it is dry and withered. Like, isn't this exciting and motivating? Verse 10, 70 years are given to us. Some even live to 80. But even the best years are filled with pain and trouble. Soon they disappear and we fly away. That basically time and life pass by quickly. Verse 11, who can comprehend the power of your anger? Your wrath is as awesome as the fear you deserve. Now this is kind of a difficult verse to understand, but I think another way to say this is if we could see God as he is, we would give God the reverence he deserves. If we could see anything as God sees, we would prioritize his view. Verse 12, teach us to realize the brevity of life. Another translation says, teach us to number our days. Teach us because we don't do this naturally and we need God's insight on how to actually do this. Teach us to live as if our days are numbered. Because many of us live our lives as if we're going to live forever. We live as if we're going to have our kids forever. We live as if we're going to have these people in our lives forever, which is really the definition of taking people for granted. We spend our time as if we're always going to have our parents, this job, and our time. We know these things are limited, and yet we live as if our days are not numbered. And so live as if your days are numbered. Most of us have done this in one form or another. If you're married, you planned your days from the time that you said, I will, when you were engaged, until you said, I do. You, you numbered your days to get ready, to prepare for the wedding, and hopefully to prepare for the marriage relationship with counseling. But you had a countdown so you knew the number of days you had left. If you've ever studied for an exam, you numbered your days knowing that there will eventually be no more days to study. So what must I do from now until then to get ready for the exam? If you've ever made a presentation or there's some sort of deadline, then you knew that eventually time would run out, the opportunity would run out, that there would be a time with no more preparation. So live as if your days are numbered. This shouldn't be depressing. This is sort of just reality. Verse 12, teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. Or as another translation says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. If we live as if our days are numbered, we will gain wisdom from God. We will gain wisdom about what we should put into our days and what we should pull out of our days. If you live your life as if your days are not numbered, you will continue to fill your days with things you will wish you had not filled your days with. And this is where margin comes in, that creating margin with our limited resources provides us with knowledge to know how to spend our limited resources. Creating margin with our time gives God the opportunity to leverage our time for others. Creating margin with our time gives us the opportunity to see God work through us. Creating margin with our money reminds us to trust God. Creating margin in our relationships gives God the opportunity to use us in ways that we couldn't imagine. 
And when you begin to live your life as if your days are numbered, you will say, I can't spend my time doing that. I need to spend more time doing that. I need to say no or spend no time doing that. I need to create time to do that thing. But if we don't number our days, if we don't create margin in our lives, we aren't healthy enough to do that. And healthy souls require creating margin. That our souls are unhealthy because we don't have any margin for God to express His work and presence in our lives or for us to express our trust in Him. That our souls, our souls are unhealthy because we don't have any margin or space between what we are doing and our limit. We don't have any space or room for God to express His work and presence in our lives, which is so many of us want, we say we want, for God to work in our lives and for his, us to sense His presence with us. We don't have any space or margin for that thing or for us to express our trust in Him because we're doing everything ourselves. We deceive ourselves into thinking we got it and we don't need God. So I want to ask you to answer three questions. Number one, where do you need more margin in your life? Where do you need to create more space between your current pace and your limit? Number two, to create that margin, what do you need to pull out of your finances, out of your career, out of your schedule, or other relationships? Because you can't always add things without also pulling something out. And then lastly, what do you need to add to create more margin in your life? Now, I wonder if most of us need to add time, which we all know is impossible because it's fixed, right? We only have 24 hours in a day. We're limited to that. However, when I say add time, I mean maybe you need to add more time before and after your meetings to account for traffic or possibly to account for an opportunity to listen to someone or to stop and to be available to help someone. Maybe you need to add time for a relationship in your life, maybe your spouse, your kids, your parents, maybe a neighbor or your coworker who are struggling and haven't experienced Jesus yet. You might say you love and value those relationships, but if you aren't creating time for them, putting them in your calendar and in your schedule, then you aren't actually valuing or loving them. Uh, maybe you need to add time before you get going in the morning or to spend some time unrushed talking and listening to God. Or maybe you need to add time somewhere else in your day to do that. But where do you need to add more margin in your life? And to create that margin, what do you need to pull out of your finances, your career, your schedule, or other relationships? And what do you need to add to create more margin in your life? Because healthy souls require creating margin. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you care for all of us. You care for our mind, you care for our body, you care for our hearts, you care for our souls. And God, you want us to be healthy, and so you've helped us to see that we need margin in our life. You started from a, a very beginning, basically, of saying you should take a day of rest, that we need it, but also it sort of gives us this opportunity to express our trust in you, and also for you to work in our lives and to remind us that you're present with us, helping us. And so, God, would you help all of us, wherever we might be, to realize the area of our life that we need some margin, that maybe we know that we're not healthy in this area, and we look at it and realize we don't have any margin in this area. So, God, would you give us the wisdom to know what area of our life we need margin in? And then, God, would you also give us the courage and the wisdom to know how to actually do it, to actually put that margin in our life? And that we're going to have to tell people no at times, and we're going to have to ask people to add something or to do something different. We're going to have to change our schedules and our time. We're going to have to change how we use our money, maybe. But, God, would you help us to be willing to do that? Would you give us the courage to actually do that? And we need your help. We need you to teach us to number our days because we don't know how to do it. 
But God, would you also give us the wisdom that comes from doing that as well? God, we want to be healthy people, so God, would you help us to actually implement this? Would you teach us to number our days and to create margin in our lives wherever it is that we need to create margin? That it would allow you to work in our lives. It would give us the freedom and the time to see you working through us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.